name is Chris Holbrook. Uh, I'm a pastor at Rescue House Church in Moxville, not Knoxville. Today we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11 for a little bit. And um, Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith. Uh, this is where all those people are. It says by faith, they, they did this great thing. And sometimes we can look at this chapter and we can say, well, of course they had faith. I mean, that was Moses. That was like King David. It was Daniel. Of course they had faith. But what I want you to know is that these were just regular people like you and me. And I believe that if we can lean into their example, um, and specifically the example that we're going to look at today, it's going to take us um, building up our faith. But it's kind of like you, you see like a bodybuilder. You, you know what I'm talking about. And they like... They have just like jacked muscles. They're swole, you know, and you're thinking like, man, I could never be like that. But guess what? God actually placed the exact same muscles inside of you. You just have to learn how to work those muscles out. And the same thing is true about faith. If we can learn how to build this faith muscle inside of us, we can actually do some pretty amazing things. So I can't wait to see how God uses this message today to help you. Um, grow in your faith. Speaking of waiting, uh, I don't know about you, but I hate waiting in lines. Does anybody else like you? You just hate. Yeah, like I think we all do. Um, so I, I'm married. I have three boys and we just took them to Great Wolf Lodge. If you've ever been there, you know that you spend more time waiting in line for the rides than the actual rides. And sometimes like you welcome that. Because you climbed 15 flights of stairs to get up to the very top, and you're like, I just need a breather before we go down this ride. Like, you, you need that. But a lot of times you're like just sitting there waiting, and it's like, I'm dripping wet. I just want to get on the, the water slide and go down it. Um, I hated when I was growing up waiting at the DMV. Like, anybody else experience that? Um, I remember when I was 15 years old getting my driver's permit. And I waited literally three hours at the DMV because it was the one in Winston. I don't know why we chose that one. It was terrible. Like we, we chose like a, a smaller county to go get my driver's license at because we didn't want to wait forever. Um, but it took us so long. And, and I would love to tell you because I'm a pastor, like I, I, I can wait patiently. I should have that, that spirit in me, right? Like I should be able to be patient. But that's not always the case. Um, in fact, uh, one time we were getting home late and we had to still cook dinner. We needed some chicken at the store. So my wife dropped me off at the door. I was going to run in. I had cash in hand. I was ready to check out. And I get up to the checkout lines and there's two checkout lines open at the grocery store. And one only has one person in it. And the other one has like five people in it. And I'm like, this is a no-brainer. Like, I'm going to check out in the, the express lane. I'm going to get through here. And um, when, we, when I get up behind the person, they're starting to check out. And the lady, the cash register lady says, did you find everything okay? Now, if you don't know the answer to that question, I'm going to just help you out and help everybody else out. The answer to that question is, yes, I did. Absolutely, I found everything. Because at that point, like, you're done. Like, you're not finding anything else. Like, it's, it's game over. So just please. But the lady in front of me, she says, well, you know what? I didn't. I was actually looking for this pie that y'all always have in stock, but I wasn't able to find it. 
And so the manager comes over and says, hey, well, we might have more of those in the back. Like, let me go, let me go check and see. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, I can, I can be patient for a couple of minutes while this guy goes to the back. He finds this lady's pie, and then, and then we can check out. We can get out of here. So I'm waiting literally like five minutes for this manager to go into the back, check all this stuff out, uh, find the pie and bring it up. But like, you know, when you're in line, you always like know the person that got in the other line when you got in that line. You know what I mean? And like, you just kind of watch and you're like, did I beat them out of the grocery store? And like, so I'm literally watching everybody filter through and the line like fill back up. While this guy is coming out with this pie, he sets it down, they ring it up, and I'm like, yes, praise Jesus, like we can get out of here. And the lady said, well, actually, I would really like two of them. The manager said, well, we might have more in the back, and he walks off. At this point, I lost it. Like, I am done, like, trying to be nice, trying to be civil, trying to be patient. I'm over it. And, and like, I'm, I'm like, can I please just check out? And like, I, I have money in my hand. Can I just give you the $20? It's $10 for the chicken. Like, I'll just give you the $20. You can keep the rest. Like, I don't care. I'm just ready to leave. And as nice as they could, they tell me, well, well, sir, we can't do that. We're in the middle of this transaction. But you can wait in the other line. They're being nice about it. And then as nice as I can be, I'm telling them, I'm not waiting in that other line. I've been here for five to ten minutes already. And I'm getting frustrated. Finally, they, they see the frustration. They, they bring me over to customer service. They check me out. And what I'm doing is um, I, I'm like trying to explain what's going on, like why I'm frustrated, but like the lady is literally, she's like, you're just impatient. You know what I mean? Like you can just see it on her face. Every time I go to the grocery store now, like I see the same lady and I know she's thinking about it, like, right? But I say all this, um, I bring this up to let you know that like nobody likes waiting. No one. We don't enjoy it. But what if God actually has you in a waiting season for your good? What do we do when God is actually preventing us from stepping into the, the calling or the purpose or the promise that he's given us? Like, what do we do in that season? So if you have your Bibles or you have your Bible on your phone, I want you to go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to be reading about this guy uh, named Abraham. And Hebrews 11, like, it's all the, the people that have done great things for God, right? And it's talking about Abraham in this, and it says it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land, that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So we read this in Hebrews chapter 11, and actually we're going to spend the rest of our time 
in the book of Genesis. And I love when a pastor says, hey, we're going to be in the book of Genesis. Don't you just feel like a Bible ninja? It's like, I know where that is. Boom. Like your pastor starts talking about, we're going to be reading from Habakkuk today. And we're all like studying the table of contents. Like where in the world? Is this even a book? Like, is that for real? Um, But no, we can go ahead and turn to Genesis uh, chapter 12, because we're going to look at this story of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And before we kind of get into it, I just want to make it clear so that everybody's like on the same page, because you're going to see two different names for these people. And you might see the name Abram or Abraham, and it's talking about the same exact person. You're going to see Sarai or Sarah, and it's talking about the same exact person. And I I just bring all that up. Like, I know that you guys already get it, but like, in case I mess it up and say the wrong name, just give me some grace, okay? And just a side note, too, a lot of us are afraid to like say Old Testament names out loud because we're afraid that we're going to mispronounce them. I'm going to give you just a little pastor's trick. Just say it with confidence. Because ain't nobody know how to say those names. You know what I mean? Like, just say it with confidence, and they're going to be like, yeah, Mitsubishi has. Like, it's, <laughs> like that's great. So we're, we're looking at this story of uh, Abraham and Sarah, and it says this in chapter 12, verse 1. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your pastor's family or your father's family, pastor on the brain. Okay, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. So that was the promise that God gave to him. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. What a promise that God gives to Abraham. I'm going to make you into an entire nation. Like, just think about that for your own family. Like, what if God came to you and said, hey, I'm going to make you into an entire nation? Like, that's a lot of people. And like, some of y'all are thinking about Christmas get-togethers, and you're like, we're halfway there. We got this thing. But this is the promise that God is giving to Abraham and Sarah. The problem is that Abraham and Sarah couldn't have any children. They're in old age. That time has kind of passed for them. But they can't have any children. And maybe you've experienced that pain of, like you've been trying to have children in in your family, but God's just not making a way. And imagine God coming and saying that to you. It's like, but God, we had already hoped for all of this. Like we... We had dreamed about this when we were younger. Don't come making those promises to us if you're not going to keep that promise. So let me ask you, what have you been believing God for? What have you been waiting on God for in your own life? Maybe it's a wayward child that's kind of run off into the world. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a relationship to be restored. And and you're just wondering, like, God, when is this going to happen? I feel like you've put this into my life. You've put this promise into my life. But when are you going to make it happen? None of us like this waiting season. We're in an on-demand society, really. 
Like, you think about it. If you want to watch something, it's at your fingertips right now. If you want a certain type of food, they'll deliver it to your house within 30 minutes. If you want the new cool gadget, well, then the Amazon trucks come driving through your neighborhood like the adult ice cream man. You know, like it's like everybody gets excited when you see the Amazon truck. Is it for me? Is it for me? We don't like to wait. But sometimes waiting is the exact thing that God has for your story. And you can choose to wait one of two ways. You can wait week. And that's like the child at the, you know, at the checkout line that's screaming their head off because they want that toy. You can wait like that, but it's not going to be what God has for you. Or you can wait well. And that's what I want to teach you to do today. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you several things to write down. And the first thing that you need to write down is don't reject the wait. You know, a lot of times, like God will put something in us and because we don't want to go along with that plan or maybe we think it doesn't fit into our own plan, we'll reject it and say, God, nothing. I'm good. Like, I don't even want that. And we'll reject it and push it to the side. Abraham didn't do that. He just obeyed God. He didn't even ask his wife, which I'm not even sure is a good example of Abraham, but like he just went for it. And this is what it says. It says, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. So he didn't second guess anything. He didn't start asking a bunch of questions. He just knew, okay, well, if God is calling me to this, then it's going to be for my good. And that's what we need to realize too, is that if God has us in a waiting season, it is actually for our good. Because God doesn't do anything. He's not just up there just like, oh, well, let's just throw this stuff in there and just see if it, it all figures. It's, no, he's sovereign. There was one time when Israel was leaving Egypt, and it says in Scripture that God took them the long way around to the Red Sea. Because if he had taken them the short way around, they would have seen the opposing armies and run back to Egypt. He brings them the long way. It even says in Scripture, as they came out of Egypt, they looked like an army ready for battle, but God knew that their heart wasn't ready. So maybe God has you in a waiting season because he's trying to prepare your heart for the promise. Don't reject the waiting. There's a purpose in the waiting. The second thing that I want you to write down is don't rush the waiting. A lot of times when we, when we know what God is calling us to or we, we have this promise, we'll try and rush out in front of God and get ahead of Him and start making things happen in our own strength. But it's never what God intended for us. And I love that the Bible has real people in it, that you can learn just as much from their mistakes as from their triumphs. And so we're going to learn from Abraham's mistake right here. In chapter 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, 
The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. So right here, Sarah, she's, she's using her own logic and thinking, well, God's put this promise on our life and like, well, we can at least have children through her. So maybe, maybe this is what God intended in the first place. But she's rushing before God. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. I love how long it tells us because we know that they've been waiting for this promise for 10 years. Like they're living in this place. They don't even own the land, but they're waiting here and so they start thinking, well, if God's not going to come through in this way, well, I'm going to just take this own, my own route. I'm going to make it happen. Maybe God's just waiting on me to make this thing happen, to make a move. When I was 13 years old, what I wanted more than anything else in the world was a real BMX bike. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Like the BMX tricks, trick bikes and stuff. Like I grew up in the nineties. Like, of course I wanted one, you know, um, my, my, my stepbrother, he had one, he would ride around with his friends. And I was like begging my dad, like, please, will you get me this, this, this bike? And it was about $600. So my dad was like, that's just too much. Like we can't, we can't do that. But I was like dreaming, you know, putting the poster up on the wall, just like, whatever they call it, like manifesting it into, <laughs> into being or whatever. But um, I, was, I was asking him, and every time that I would ask him, he would shoot me down and was like, no, we can't. So I was like starting to lose hope. Well, about a month before my birthday, we went up to Kentucky where my grandparents lived, and my dad was taking a nap one afternoon. My grandfather, he was like, hey, come with me to Walmart, and um, I got to buy some stuff and you can just kind of hang out with me. I was like, all right, well, we got nothing else to do. Um, so I rode out there with him and we passed by like the bike section in Walmart. And I see like a, a, just a smorgasbord of all different types of bikes. And I find the closest thing that I can to a BMX bike. I mean, it wasn't like the real deal or anything. It was just a cheap Walmart bicycle, but it was close enough, right? And I just, I'm like, oh, man, this would be so great. And he's like, well, I'll tell you what, your birthday's coming up. I'll buy it for your birthday. And so we get it back to his house, and I am pumped up. I'm riding this bike around in his backyard trying to do tricks and stuff like that. And my dad wakes up, and he comes outside, and he's like, where did you get that bike from? And I'm so like... My grandfather, he bought it for me for my birthday. I finally have a bike. And he's like, Chris... I have the bike of your dreams at the bike shop waiting for your birthday. But I guess you don't need it now. And he returned it. I learned a lesson that day. That when we rush in front of God, when we try to make things happen in our own strength, we're always going to end up with less than what the Father had intended for us. That bike broke in about two months because it wasn't built for what I wanted it for. We have to be patient 
We have to wait well and not rush out in front of God because what God has for us is so much better than what we can just manufacture in our own strength. And that's exactly what's happening here in this story. And it ends up in complete disaster. It says in verse 4, it says, So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant. She treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. And Abram, he's like, Look, she's your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. And then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Hagar eventually has a son. They name that son Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of all the Arab nations that we know right now. Eventually, Sarah is going to have a son named Isaac. He's the father of all the Jews. So all this animosity that we're seeing in the Middle East comes back to that one mistake that Abraham made. When you rush out in front of God, it affects everyone around you. And it can last for generations to come. Don't rush the wait. What God has for you is so much better. The last thing that I want you to write down is don't waste the wait. Not only are we going to have the temptation to rush out in front of God, sometimes we're going to have the temptation just to sit back and just wait for the promise to come. Like, I mean, why do I need to learn how to take care of a little boy if I'm not going to have a little boy to take care of? Like, why do I need to learn how to make myself better when I'm just waiting on God to provide this for me? We're not going to rush the weight, but you do need to work in the weight. Like, there's some things that you need to do in your own life. In chapter 17, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you, from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. So God, he's just reminding Abraham of this promise that he's made to them. He's saying, hey, if you'll just trust me in this, like, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Abram, he trusts. But he doesn't just, like, sit back. 
Did you see what it said? It said that Abram fell face down in front of God. There's several things that Abraham did. The first thing that he did is he worshipped. And his worship was continual from the beginning of the story to the very end. What Abraham doesn't know is that he's one year away from the promise. He's only one year away. But that didn't matter to him. He was still going to worship. At the very beginning of his story, when he first comes into the land of Canaan, he sets up an altar. He builds this, this altar for God right there on land that he didn't even own yet. He was worshiping. Maybe you just needed to hear that today. Like you've been in this waiting season. You've been like, God, when, when are you going to come through? And he's just like, hey, I just want you to worship me. I want you to make life more about me than even the promise that I have for you. Abraham worshiped. Abraham served. There was one time that his nephew Lot, he gets captured. And Abraham has no benefit from saving his nephew. But he takes his own men, he goes into battle, and he frees his nephew out. He served. Some of you, you're thinking like, well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll serve when, when God comes through for me. And God's just been waiting. Hey, can I trust you with the promise? Like, are you going to serve me regardless? Another thing that Abraham did is Abraham gave. When he wins these wars and he accumulates a lot of wealth, he realizes that it's God himself that gave him all of this. And a lot of times we think like, well, the church just wants my money. But in all actuality, it's just that God wants your heart. That's why we talk about giving. It has nothing to do with the church. It has all to do with you giving your heart to God. And he knows that that's the pathway to best do that. Abraham also prayed. There was a time when God comes to him and he's like, hey, Abraham, I'm thinking about destroying these two cities. What do you think about that? And Abraham's like, whoa, 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 whoa. But what if there's righteous people there? And he starts interceding on those two cities. Don't destroy them. If you find like 10 people there, don't destroy them. He's praying for those people. So he gave, he worshipped, he served, he prayed. And a lot of times what we're thinking when we're in this waiting season, we're like, well, one day I will read my Bible. One day I'm going to pray. One day I'm going to give. And one day I'm going to serve. One day I'm going to start attending church regularly. But God wants you to do that stuff now. Because he wants you to become the person that he's designing you to be. That's what you're really working on in the waiting season, is you're working on yourself. When you work on yourself, you actually become the person that can handle the promise that he gives to you. We're going to land this in chapter 21. And it says, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. 
And Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. So finally, the promise comes into Abraham's life. 